Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Downs Construction actually came to my school. And business leaders. I think it's always also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Marlowe, and this week we have a very special episode of the CBII BizCast. We're joined here by Associate Counsel Wyatt Bosworth, and Wyatt has been working uh, on a very specific, very important healthcare bill for small businesses um, up at the Capitol this session. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. But Wyatt, you've been working, you know, for small businesses and helping out to push legislation forward in the General Assembly for quite some time now. Yeah, I've been here with CBIA for a few years now, uh, covering health care and health insurance matters for the small business community, just making sure that their voices are heard up at the Capitol whenever legislation is being contemplated that would affect their health care costs. And what have you started to at least see and, and hear from small businesses in the past couple of years that have really culminated up to this bill? They're really struggling, Amanda. Um, small businesses are consistently citing health care costs um, and more broadly speaking, uh, benefit package costs as a major impediment to uh, their ability to grow their business um, and, and really become one with the fabric of the Connecticut economy. So um, especially given the workforce shortage issue that we have now, uh, coming out of the COVID pandemic, inflation at an all-time high, um, it's really put a spotlight on how employees are able to uh, recruit and retain employees um, and having a good benefit package is just one of many tools that small businesses can employ to um, help improve their business. Healthcare being very, very essential, especially in this time. And you've worked really closely with um, a lot of chambers, other trade organizations, specifically this year on one very um, important piece of legislation that would help small businesses. Kind of walk us through that. Sure. So let's kind of start from the past, right? So um, small businesses have really had uh, a difficult time getting affordable comprehensive health insurance coverage. Um, and this really is highlighted by the fact that uh, in the ACA market, so the Affordable Care Act market, where small businesses with under 50 employees can go to buy fully insured coverage, um, that market has been cut in half in the last five years. It's, it's gone from over 200,000 enrolled lives small business lives to a little over 100,000 as of last year. So less and less small businesses are buying traditional health insurance. Um, and there's a number of factors that have to do with that. But the cost of health care is going up. It's harder uh, to run a business now than it was five years ago due to all of the economic pressures. Um, and just the health care of landscape is changing. Um, and because these small employers are under no obligation to offer health care under law, it's, it's purely voluntary. Um, many are just foregoing giving their employees a benefit package that includes health insurance. And a lot of times that's because they can't afford it, not really because they don't want to. Right. I mean, I think if it were up to every, any and every business in the state, um, everybody would want their employees to have high quality, affordable health care. Um, because a healthier workforce is a happier workforce, is a more productive workforce. Um, and many small businesses in our membership do provide that, but many can't. It's too expensive. So. What House Bill 6710 is, um, it's, it's another option. It's another option for small businesses um, to band together uh, as essentially one employer um, and go to the market with, instead of an employer having 15 employees and going to the market and taking a plan 
where they have no negotiating ability with the insurance carrier. This bill would allow that 15 life group to join forces with another 15 life group and a 10 life group and a thousand other groups um, and take that business and go into the market um, and, and act like a large employer, which drives down costs um, and could increase the quality of their healthcare. So it really gives small businesses an equal playing field with these large employers to say, hey, look, we can afford to offer a package. It puts us in a similar boat um, as the large employer. And what kind of protections are there for, you know, a lot of businesses have different types of employees. Um, wh what are some of the protections in place? Sure. So these type of plans, whether they're a cell, they're called association health plans, right? They're, they're the vehicle for buying the healthcare would be under a trade association, under an industry association. Um, and then association would essentially sponsor a large group health insurance product for their members. Um, and this is the same type of health care that large businesses run today, that smaller businesses have today. The same ACA core protections apply, whether that be not discriminating against individuals for pre-existing conditions or, um, you know, using cost share for preventative services or having egregious annual and lifetime caps. All of that was done away when the ACA passed a little over 10 years ago. Um, so these plans are equivalent to the same plans that are offered today. Um, even the self-funded plans that employers would be able to create under these um, association health plans would be required to cover all state and federal health benefit mandates, right? Something that's traditionally not done for self-funded plans, but the legislation this year um, goes above and beyond that requirement, makes sure that the plans that are offered by these large trade associations and their thousands of members are on par with the same benefits that they can buy today in the ACA market. And this isn't new. There are other states already doing this. Yeah, so as the years go on, Connecticut becomes more and more of an outlier in, in banning these type of products. Um, you know, most recently in Virginia last year, right, a, a purple state that had a Republican governor and a Democratic legislature at the time, um, they passed a similar bill, which our bill this year is modeled heavily on, and, and it essentially allows the State Chamber of Commerce and other big trade associations in the state um, to be the voice for their small business members and go to market with, with thousands of employers and drive down costs. Why, that's a great point and a great segue. Now, over the past week, we've talked with two people who were instrumental in getting that legislation passed in Virginia. We spoke with President and CEO of the Virginia State Chamber of Commerce, Barry Duvall. And then we also spoke with the state senator who was really not so on board with this at first, but had really kind of had a change of heart and became a champion for this legislation. We're going to bring you to that conversation right now with State Senator Monty Mason. Hi, Senator Mason. Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. So I want to start off by really learning about your interest um, with, you know, small business and healthcare. What kind of sparked this from the get-go? Well, I've always done a lot of work with the chambers, both locally and at the state level. And I was on a, uh, interestingly, I was on a panel in front of their statewide meeting at a general assembly session. And I made a remark along the lines of, I didn't think that, you know, some sort of health plan that associated with the chamber made a lot of sense. And so they didn't appreciate that very much, as you might imagine, and came to see me and said, hey, you know, I don't think you understand the overall picture. Would you be willing to talk to us about it? And I said, sure. And by the time they took me through it and I understood it better and got the concepts that I obviously didn't understand before, 
I thought it made a lot of sense. And coming back home, talking to my local chambers and talking to so many small businesses as far as the challenges they had providing their employees coverage, I thought it made a lot of sense and uh, asked to carry the bill. And what were some of those things that you were hearing from your um, you know, small businesses? Well, and this was even before um, the extraordinary workforce challenges that every industry and every company is facing right now. But they were talking about, A, just wanting to take care of their employees, B, the overall package that if they could include healthcare would make them more competitive, you know, with gathering the best and the brightest employees. But many of them, especially, you know, with a handful of employees, just saw no path towards having the ability to actually provide and to pay. And even what they had looked upon to offer to their, their employees, no one could afford, afford it, the business or the employees. So they really well, unfortunately, weren't giving it much consideration in probably the under 10, 15, 20 employee category. So you heard this from the chambers. You said, what is this? Heard more about it and then decided, all right, this is a go. Yeah. What? Talk a little bit about, you know, how you worked with both sides of the aisle to, to get this, this bill passed. Sure. Well, we... Um, the, the first thing we had to do was find other legislators, as you said, on both sides of the aisle that we could talk to and help understand the concept because it, it is a little complex and it's different. And it's, you know, it sounds unusual, even the, the, the moniker of it. And so going to a couple of the key players on the committees of jurisdiction and just asking for a little time to sit down and walk them through the larger concept. I think really helped a lot. Um, you know, just like any legislator, you probably have five legislature, you probably have five to ten legislators that really understand this stuff. And so you go to them and try to get them to help you along the way. Um, and it, the better they understand it, the more that they can help you dispel things that are untrue, as well as provide more information to those trying to learn more. And, and Senator, bi bipartisanship is a big feature of the bill that we have up here in Connecticut. Um, as you know, we have uh, worked with the legislature to model um, the Association Health Plan bill up here to, to track closely to Virginia because we were um, super enthusiastic about the fact that given the tight margins in, in your Senate and your, your House, um, given the fact that you're a Democratic senator and you are working with a, a newly installed governor who, who comes from the opposite party and you were able um, to bring both sides to get this done, we recognize that this bill should be bipartisan and that, that's how we're advancing it up here. But um, just kind of diving into the, into the legislative process, what, what were some of the challenges you had um, kind of bringing forward this new model that would allow um, chambers to essentially aggregate their small employers and act as one active purchaser in the health insurance market? Sure. Well, you, you, you really hit the nail on the head because of the close margins in both the House and the Senate here. You have to work on both sides of the aisle for any piece of critical legislation. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I tend to be one of those folks who thinks that's a really good thing. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think the hardest part you know, for an example, pre-existing conditions. Early on, people were insistent that we weren't going to cover people with pre-existing conditions, you know, and it is in bold print in the bill. Um, uh, discriminating against the elderly uh, was another one that we fought against. And 
And so just making sure people understand the components of it. And one point we kept driving home was when the board of trustees determines the coverages and the health plan offerings, that regardless of who is a member, you are to get the benefit of that coverage. It doesn't matter, you know, age, race, gender. If you are a member and a participant, you get the coverage. It even helps, too, that self-funded plans, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but under ERISA, which governs uh, self-funded plans at the federal level, there have been a number of federal consumer protection laws codified in ERISA and, and incorporated by reference. So, for example, the ACA, right? Um, no self-funded plan, whether it's uh, AMIWA operating through a chamber in Virginia or a single employer sponsored plan like a Home Depot plan, right? There's no uh, exclusions on pre-existing conditions. There's no lifetime or annual caps. There's mandatory utilization review and external appeals process. Um, but you, similar to our bill in Connecticut and your bill in Virginia, uh, went out of the way to reinforce those consumer protections in the bill, right? Right, absolutely. Spells it out in multiple places, um, speaks to what it does and does not do. Yeah. Um, and I, I, have, I think that's just an important component of it um, because when it's there in black and white, and I think that y'all are doing a great job as we did here in Virginia of working with your Bureau of Insurance and making sure you go to them up front and just say, hey, here's what we're thinking. Here are the guardrails we're putting in place. Here are the heightened level of responsibilities that we want to ask for. You know, is that in line with your thinking? That's something we've we've really tried to do up here is make sure that uh, the regulators are comfortable with with overseeing this from the consumer protection angle. Can you speak a little bit to um, your work with with uh, your Con Connecticut Insurance Department uh, counterpart in, in Virginia and, and how you were able to um, kind of get them from a point of maybe or no to a point of yes? Well, the chamber did a wonderful job of working with them and with us at, along the way here in Virginia. But, you know, the initial thing is what happens if this goes away? And didn't I read about a plan that went belly up over somewhere? And so we wanted to take that head on. And when presenting the bill, but also dealing with the with, with the Bureau of Insurance and the regulators, you know, we said from the beginning, we want a high level of reserve to even get this thing started. We want to make sure that the retention levels are acceptable to you and maybe even above and beyond what we need. Um, they require guarantees, standbys, letters of credit, you know, and so we just spelled these things out in the bill um, to say that we want to make sure that no one sets this up that isn't competent and capable of doing so and look at what we're doing on the front end to make sure that, in fact, anybody that decides to go down this path not only better be serious, but they have to have substantial financial wherewithal standing and backing. And, and so just by being super open and transparent about that throughout the whole way and from the very beginning, I, I think it really helped our cause. And again, you know, we'll help you on a bipartisan basis because expanding health care coverage for all people should be as bipartisan a discussion as we can find. It just gives you another option that heretofore has not really been available to small business. I, I am really excited. We're on the cusp, um, I believe, of rolling this out in Virginia, uh, maybe third quarter, fourth quarter. We've gotten some of the regulatory uh, work out of the way. 
And I think you mentioned it earlier, but you've really worked so closely with the Virginia Chamber of Commerce on this. Um, and, and we are going to be speaking also later in this episode with President and CEO Barry Duvall. Can you just talk about how important it was, you know, and how important it was for that relationship? Barry does a great job of growing his membership, but listening to his membership. And so he had known for some time that this was a void that could be filled. And so he then went out and hired some spectacular folks that understood this very, very well. They got super tired of my questions, I'll tell you that, <laughs> because they knew a lot and I wanted to make sure that I was prepared. But then a team to work with the legislature to try to get the word out as much as possible. But having the chamber's full-throated support of this was just incredibly important and they're the mechanism. You know, interestingly, along the way, we made an adjustment. The Farm Bureau came to us and said, hey, we see your bill here. It's designed for sponsoring associations, but, you know, we're a 501c5. You know, would you be willing to talk to us? Absolutely. You know, went back, made sure with the experts, made sure with the bureaus we weren't doing something untoward. And we rolled it out and expanded it so they can now take advantage of it. We, we've had a, a similar reaction here in Connecticut. We have a coalition with over 80 groups that recognize the value of both a fully insured MIWA and a self-insured MIWA. So groups like, you know, the Nonprofit Associate Alliance in our state, right? Groups like Credit Union League, the Brewers, Realtors, um, all of these associations recognize the value of a plan like this and, and would certainly be market participants if it were to come to fruition here in Connecticut. It sounds like you've had similar interest uh, from different stakeholders in Virginia. Absolutely, Evan. That's that that too just helps you down the path of bipartisan adoption. When now you really expand the 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 depth of these organizations in different legislators' districts, and you know, and who has the obviously nonprofits have taken a very different had a difficult road throughout the pandemic, as everyone has. But you know, anything we can do to give the nonprofits a leg up to try to make sure that they can provide full and quality benefits to their employees. You know, the more we can expand this out and get more people covered, the better. I, I think this has the um, capacity to be one of the most consequential pieces of legislation as far as impact on, in, on people goes that we'll see once this thing gets implemented in the next several years. And what, what, is, what is that? What, what do you think the impact's going to be? What's kind of your vision for this? The vision is, you know, having Mason Industries be able to offer a health plan to their employees that they've never been able to offer before. And then when you're going out to recruit that engineer when you get, that has a bunch of offers or when you're going, trying to go out and recruit somebody to be your sales manager, you are going to be able to put a package together that's competitive with the larger industries that attract and retain the best and the brightest people. So it's just another step towards giving small business. You know, and, and it, I've been involved in economic development a lot over my life. You tend to be elephant hunters, right? You're going after that enormous company with a thousand employees, but then you realize very quickly that 80% of your growth in jobs come from small business. So when we can apply the larger corporate benefit level to a small business, and help them thrive and grow, that is gonna be enormous impact to big and small communities across Connecticut and Virginia.
Well, thank you, Senator Mason. That was really some great insight. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it, it's amazing how they got the bill through with both parties supporting and uh, really excited to see what type of plan shakes out there in the next few months. All right. And now we'll bring you to our conversation with Virginia State Chamber of Commerce's Barry Duvall. Barry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Obviously, healthcare costs are really an important issue across the country. Um, and what you have seen, I want to hear a little bit about what you were hearing from the business community um, about healthcare costs and its impact on them. Well, thank you for your interest in this subject. Um, about 90% of, of employers in Virginia employ small businesses. And as we have polled our members across the state, we found that rising healthcare costs was the number one concern for those small businesses. We also found that many of them did not have an opportunity to even offer health insurance to their employees. Uh, so we started looking at that as a challenge and looked for solutions to how to reduce healthcare premiums for small businesses that don't have an opportunity necessarily like large businesses. So in our state, about 56% of small employers uh, offer some form of health benefits, uh, but about 99% of large employers offer health benefits. So we wanted to make sure that we could find a solution that allows small businesses to offer competitive insurance policies that were also high in quality and, um, and that were affordable coverage for small businesses. And was that something that you've seen over the past, you know, five years and, in, you know, in the past two, it's, it's really just exacerbated the problem? Well, actually, statistically in Virginia, the insurance premiums for families over the last six years increased uh, over 22 percent since 2015. So we saw that increase. We heard from our members and uh, we decided to seek a solution that was very much in line with what large employers are able to do. And that was why we decided to take a different approach in Virginia. Over 90% of our members are small businesses under 100 employees, um, the vast majority of which cite healthcare as, as a, their healthcare costs as a big impediment to their, to their ability to grow in the future. And, you know, I'd venture to guess that the same experiences in Connecticut we've seen with our ACA market are, are not too far off from what you've seen, right? So, you know, since 2018 in Connecticut, we've seen we've had an enrollment in the small group market of 230,000. Today, that number is just over 100,000. So employers are either dropping coverage or they're moving to self-funded products, right? So the healthier employees are migrating over to level funded products and it's leaving uh, the small group market sicker and more expensive. So um, just I guess we're interested to hear what, what kind of uh, market changes have you seen in Virginia? Have you seen uh, premiums rise exponentially, businesses switch over to self-funded products. What's What's been your experience? Our healthcare expenses, for, especially for small businesses, have long outpaced the general inflation that we've had in our state. Uh, consumer prices, uh, obviously, are currently with the, with the current in, uh, environment, are rising very fast, but the health benefit premiums continue to rise uh, extremely fast as well. So, uh, what we saw was small businesses either not being able to continue to offer uh, health insurance, or we saw small businesses having a difficult time hiring because they can't offer uh, benefits. So I think it's it's uh, important to uh, 
level the playing field for small businesses. They do represent the majority of our employers in Virginia. And yet, uh, because they don't have the size or the scale, they can't really offer competitive benefits as our large businesses do. So we thought with the changing landscape, we should look for a solution that would allow small businesses to come together and offer competitive health insurance. Right, which which kind of is a nice segue into the bill that uh, you championed and had uh, members on both sides of the aisle champion down in Virginia, right? Um, the you know the basic premise of letting uh, chambers and trade associations kind of set up a vehicle, a self-funding vehicle that could bring thousands of small businesses together, right, and 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 create you know a level of equity and parity with what with what la- large employers are able to do today, right? We know that large employers are doing very well. Um, designing benefit packages, negotiating low rates with hospitals, because they have the scale to do so, right? Uh, We're just curious, in a state like Virginia, where you just had a Republican governor get elected, you have um, a Democratic majority, and I believe at least one, if not both chambers last year, right? So how how were you able to kind of usher through this big of a healthcare reform package by working with both sides of the aisle? That's really what we're trying to mirror up here in Connecticut, is this, this type of large-scale reforms should have buy-in from both sides of the aisle. Yeah, politics in America today is a changing landscape. And uh, my friends in the business community historically may have leaned towards one party or the other party. And what I've said to my friends in the business community is that we have to work with whatever party's in power, and we have to put forward a pro-business agenda uh, because my friends that are really conservative they will tell you they're pro-business, but they don't always take the most pro-business stance. And my friends that are liberal uh, will tell you they're they're progressive, but they also want to be pro-business. And what I found on both sides of the aisle is that they want to provide an environment where small businesses can grow and prosper. And I think that that is something that uh, both Republicans and Democrats will say, at least in Virginia, they support small business. But they also, through our campaign of advocacy, under they understood the rising costs that we just talked about, Wyatt. So if you find a way of demonstrating the need, find a way of showing the problem that small businesses have, uh, we found that Republicans and Democrats were willing to come together for a solution. So a big part of this bill is getting buy-in from the regulators, right? Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are regulating this. Unlike other self-funded plans out there today, I think the, the, the bonus of having a MIWA is that the state really is able to step in, do the financial analysis, set the minimum reserve amounts, have a minimum capitalization from the outset, and really be the eyes and the ears for the consumer. So that's been an important part of the bill here is, is working collaboratively with the Department of Insurance to make sure that appropriate guardrails are in place so that consumers can feel confident buying into a product like this. Why, you're exactly right. And I hope it gives uh, the stakeholders some comfort to know that the regulatory agency in Virginia was with us every step of the way. And in our meetings with the regulatory agency on the legislation, we had them make recommendations. And so we were able to adopt those recommendations in order to ensure that the uh, ultimate bill would produce a product that was economically sound. And so the structure we have now has this financial integrity. Uh, it, it, it is going to be regulated uh, very similar to any insurance company. And uh, we have found ourselves in a very healthy place as we begin to kick this program off. 
Great. And so can you talk a little bit about how this bill is really helping make healthcare affordable for small businesses? The way that the bill is uh, structured and the way the implementation is taking place is that the state chamber has created the Wise Choice Health Alliance. Uh, it's just the marketing name we gave it. Uh, we uh, are going to request that any small business that wants to uh, receive uh, support and participate in the program, join a local chamber. So we found that that has really been a big uh, support to local chambers. As the state chamber, they uh, are certainly independent from me as the lo local chambers are, but we provide thought leadership and policy leadership to our local chamber partners. And, um, and so we are going to have people and small businesses join the local chamber. And through that, they can work with a local insurance broker to get their quote. They will be provided um, an opportunity to be viewed in their quote as part of a larger uh, accumulation of employees around the Commonwealth of Virginia. And by looking through into the, uh, into the MIWA, um, Wyatt, uh, they will see the 40 employees or the or the 50 employees in that company, but they will also see the fact that those costs are going to be shared by thousands of other people that belong to the to the MIWA. So just by offering economies of scale, Amanda, we'll have an opportunity to reduce the insurance costs. Now, other states that have implemented this, they're about a year ahead of me, um, are seeing between 10 and 20% reduction in premiums their first year for those small businesses. So we're expecting by fall to have uh, about 3,000 employees enrolled in our program. And a year from now, we hope to have a year and a half from now, by December of 23, to have about 20,000 lives enrolled in our program. My sense is this chamber product will allow um, employers maybe that don't have the best risk, that weren't able to get self-funded on their own, maybe access to the benefits of a self-funded plan, right? That's right. And the nice thing about this is we have safety guards put into place that ensure that the coverage is comparable with what you would refer to as the ACA bronze plan. Uh, there are going to be plans that are considered high quality plans. Uh, we are not going to have any exclusions, for example, for pre-existing conditions. We're going to make sure that all uh, individuals that come have an opportunity to participate. And while uh, you know our goal for this actually is to use it not just for providing this health insurance, we really want Virginia to be not just the best state for business, but the best state for healthy Virginians, as yeah. I'm sure you do for your state. And we're gonna use this as an opportunity to pr productively and proactively work on wellness initiatives, have them participate in wellness programs. Uh, we're gonna push out a lot of lifestyle initiatives that we think will improve the quality of, of uh, education that employees have who participate in the plan. And indirectly, you know, we think we'll see healthier Virginians with less uh, people dealing with diabetes and blood pressure issues, and a lot of conditions will be improved. So we see it as both an economic advantage for small businesses, a competitive advantages for small businesses, but also a quality of life for their employees. And it gives an opportunity uh, for them to have access to services that they might only have if they joined a large corporation that has a wellness program or a corporate clinic or something of that nature. So we do see it as both 
financially improving the competitiveness of small businesses, uh, and also from a healthy lifestyle, improving the employees' lives. So it's more than just moving from a fully insured plan to a self-funded plan. It's actually the ability to implement programs that large employers are implementing today. So you mentioned wellness programs, right? So small employers, they go to the small group market and they take what they can get. They don't have the ability to say, you know, we would rather have this benefit design or have a wellness program tailored to this specific chronic disease. But it's when you are able, like you said, to aggregate and become one large employer, that's really when the value-based insurance design options come up, the ability to uh, help your employees with navigating to high value centers of excellence, for example, right? So um, all those things are only possible once you have the scale to do it, right? I, I, I agree 100%. That's the approach we're taking in Virginia. And I am pleased to say that we had a significant amount of Republicans and Democrats, why it endorsed this, support this. And I will say that the local associations in Virginia are now joining in. We're the Farm Bureau in Virginia is joining in with us, and we're seeing several other associations come to local chambers and say, we want to participate too. So we think it's going to be transformational for small businesses in Virginia. I hope that this path of progress is available to your state and that uh, you'll be able to uh, uh, have the realization of this program in Connecticut. Thanks so much to Barry Duval and Senator Monty Mason for joining us. Wyatt, let's bring it back to Connecticut. Tell us where this bill stands now and what businesses can do to show their support. The bill is alive. It's pending before the House of Representatives uh, to take action. Um, it's cleared two committees now, both with overwhelming bipartisan support. But um, now's the time to get it over the finish line and get it through both chambers into the governor's desk. So really to do that, call your legislators, um, go to the CBIA website, check out our information on it, uh, take action, send emails, make a phone call, send a text, do whatever you can uh, to make your voice heard uh, before June 7th. Great. Thanks, Wyatt. And Wyatt has been continuing to update um, us about what's been going on through CBIA's news source. And you can also find your legislator uh, to learn out about how you can contact them. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. And thank you for listening to the CBIA BizCast. You can listen, like, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review and let us know if you have ideas for a future podcast. And for a full list of episodes, head on over to CBIA.com.